Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the Kettlecast, I talk to Atlanta Hawks six-man leader Adnan Ikik about Kevin Herter, DeAndre Bembry, and what are some of his favorite cheers that he's done as leader of the six-man. Without further ado, let's get into my interview with Adnan. To get started, we're going to talk about Kevin Herter and DeAndre Bembry, and then we'll get into the Hawks offseason and what you think and want them to do going forward. What were your expectations on Kevin Herter coming into the season? Did you have any idea of him coming out of Maryland? Did you know anything before the Hawks drafted him? I knew a little bit about Kevin Herter. To be honest with you, I did not think that we'd uh, go after him with the 19th pick. I was really hoping that he'd somehow fall to 30, Mm -hmm. but that was literally a pipe dream on my end. There was no way he was falling to 30. I heard about the off-season surgery he had on his hand, and, you know, that kind of gave me pause when we took him. I was really hoping that Lonnie Walker would fall to 19, but that didn't happen. He was scooped up by the Spurs. But at the end of the day, it all worked out completely. I did not expect Herter to be as good as he was in year one. It looks like a home run of a pick by Travis Schlenk at 19 for the second year in a row. He took John Collins the first year, now Kevin Herter. He was one of the best rookies in the league. I look forward to the announcement that he'll be on one of the all-rookie teams. Yeah, let's get into some of his rookie stand-ins just for totals this year. He was 8th in total minutes. He was 6th out of all rookies in total starts, 6th in assists. He was third in three-point percentage, fourth in three-pointers made right behind Trey, and ninth in overall points. For a guy that was drafted number 19 overall, those are all extremely good stats for him. For sure. I think if there was a redraft, I have no doubt in my mind a year later that he would go in the top 10. We knew about the three-point shooting. That was his M.O. He came out of Maryland as a shooter, as a sniper. The passing is what really became intriguing to me as the year went along. Uh, on offense, at least, he his M.O. looks like he's in that Clay Thompson-esque mold, but as a better passer and as someone who can dribble the ball a little more. You know, He's obviously not the shooter that Clay is yet, and he's not the defender that Thompson is, but he's someone who can put the ball on the floor, and he has some really good vision. He's someone that's a very good playmaker, and that's a valuable thing to have. You can never have too many players that can create their own shot, and that can create some chances for their teammates as well. Strong agree. He came off that injury, like you talked about, that surgery, and it really it kind of tempered my expectation. Just He got off to a slow start, and I thought he was really kind of lost on defense. But he ended up starting 59 games for the Hawks. Towards the end of the season, they really started to give him some more ball-handling opportunities, and you could see that vision and that he has some more of those skills handling the ball. Yeah, I remember at a time before we brought in Trey, before we brought in Herder, Dennis Schroeder was the only player on our team that could really create his own shot. And you could see how much that hindered the offense in terms of the opposing team goes, shuts down Dennis Schroeder, and you're completely reliant on that ball movement, which was always nice to have. It was always a beautiful thing to see. But when the game breaks down a little bit, you need someone to be able to give them the ball and tell them, hey, get me some points on this possession. Either get to the free throw line 
or penetrate or hit a three-pointer off the dribble, but we need some points. And that's that's something that's going to be super valuable come playoff time. And that's something that the Hawks always lacked, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's interesting you brought up Clay Thompson. It's a natural comparison. Kevin Chuniard, who does the great writing for the Hawks on their website, had some quotes at the beginning of the season and asked Kevin who he tried to emulate and who he looked up to in the league. And Clay Thompson was on that list along with Gordon Hayward and Bradley Beal. I think both those are like all three of those guys are guys who are shooters, but also handle the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Because shooting the three ball seems like a necessity for a shooting guard in the Mm -hmm. NBA these days. You won't really be able to raise your ceiling unless you can do more than just shoot the ball. You have to have that extra dimension to your game, at least on the offensive end. And it looks like Kevin Herter has that. The more that grows, the better he'll be, the more involved in the offense he'll be. The sky's the limit for Kevin Herter in terms of being that complimentary player that can play off of Trey Young, if he can do all of that, it can take a lot of pressure off of Trey and whatever other star players we have moving forward that we can possibly get in the draft. Absolutely. And at the beginning of the season and early on, they gave Kevin that safety net of being on the floor with Trey a lot of the time. And if they're able to let Trey get some rest and let Kevin have some time handling the ball and being the main part of the offense, Um, That can only help the team. He had three games of over 20 points, including a 29-point game against the 76ers. And he had 12 games with at least four three-pointers. So his scoring is there already. And if his assists can continue to be strong, um, that'd be huge. He also averaged one and a half steals a game. No, he averaged one steal a game, which I was impressed with for a rookie. Oh, absolutely. The defense is what also somewhat surprised me in a good way. He didn't seem like a great defender coming out of college. He was very solid this season on the defensive end, and that's very important, especially for Lloyd Pierce, who comes from that defensive background. One steal a game, you can't really judge it based off steals as a raw number. It's still a great thing to see. His defense one-on-one was solid, and his team defense was a little bit better than solid. Kevin Herter, he just seems like he has the opportunity to become a complete player. And Mm -hmm. to be able to get someone like that at pick 19, even if it was a strong draft, that's really special. Yeah, to see how much he was able to improve despite not having that offseason, the the whole summer league to get in a lot of practice and get familiarity with the players. I'm excited to see what he does with a full offseason in the Hawks training camp. I know him and Trey are not playing in the summer league, but they're both going out there and to be part of those practices. So that can only help him. What are some things that you'd want him to improve or what are you looking for in his development? In his development, I'd like to see him get better as a defender. Just because we saw the Hawks were a super exciting team this past season. But on defense, they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Just have to call a spade a spade there. Trey Young doesn't seem like he'll ever be a great defender. I think the best we can hope for from Trey Young in terms of defense is average. Just because he doesn't have the tools physically to be an elite defender and that's okay we've seen some of the great point guards in NBA history such as a Steve Nash and a Steph Curry who aren't incredible defenders so that's why it's super important to have that backcourt mate if he's going to start with Trey Young 
to be able to pull that Clay Thompson the way the Warriors do it, where they put Clay Thompson on the other player's best ball handler, on the other player's, for example, best point guard. When they face the Rockets, he's always on Chris Paul. When they yeah. face the Thunder, he gets put signed Russell Westbrook. So we need that backcourt made for Trey Young to be able to pick up the other team's better guard option so that we can sort of hide Trey Young a little bit on defense. Yeah. One thing about Kevin is he's he's always referred to as sneaky athletic, and he had some nice dunks during the season. But for him to get a little bit stronger, I very much agree. If he can just increase his defensive acumen and, and be that guy who can cover the number one option on the perimeter, that would be huge for the Hawks, um, especially with a smaller point guard like Trey. I'd like to see him just kind of physically get stronger and being in a professional uh, off season. And with that wonderful training facility, the Hawks have now, I think he'll have every opportunity to do that. seems like him and Trey have a, a pretty good chemistry already. So just keep working on that or some things that I would like to see. Your point of him having a full off season is super underrated because I don't think we really realize or value just how important that is, especially for someone going into his first year who had a broken hand, who couldn't go through that. And we saw the effects at the beginning of the season. He was barely playing, and for good reason. He wasn't really involved. He didn't really go through that process. But then after he went through those practices and that process a little bit, we saw him really flourish in year one. And he has a really great opportunity to grow even more in year two now that he'll have a healthy offseason and that he'll have a full training camp under his belt. Absolutely. We can't have our full talk about Kevin Herter without talking about his potential nickname. I know he goes by Red Dot, there's Red Velvet, and there's Georgia Red Clay. Do you have any preference on nickname, or is there anything that you like? Uh, My preference is always Red Mamba. Red Mamba. I I remember his teammates from uh, in the telecast when we faced, I think, the Wizards. They interviewed one of his teammates from Maryland, and they said that that was his main preference for a nickname. That's what they called him at Uh Maryland. He didn't really like the nickname Red Velvet. I kind of agree with because, you know, calling another man Red Velvet is just (laughs) I don't know about that one. I'm going to stick with what Kevin Herter prefers. You know, it's his nickname, so I'll just respect his wishes on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's smart. That's smart. I think he has a very bright future, and it was exciting to get to watch him emerge as a starter in his first year. From Kevin Herter, we go on to DeAndre Bembry, and I kind of gave you free reign to pick whatever player you wanted to pick off the bench of the Hawks, and why did you choose DeAndre Bembry? DeAndre Bembry, I just love what he brings to the table as one of the ultimate glue guys on the Atlanta Hawks. He's someone whom we never really saw flourish in his first two seasons because of injuries. He played 38 games in the first season, just 26 games last season. But it was incredible. One of my favorite things to see this past season was the fact that DeAndre Bembry played in every single game of the year, all 82, which was just beautiful to see. He's someone that does a little bit of everything. Remember, he was a first-round draft pick the same year we took Torian Prince. Right. His, his vision is something that can really keep him in the in the NBA. We used him as a backup point guard, as an off-ball handler when Trey Young was on the bench. I just have to uh, give a shout-out to one of the guys in the section, Chris Winstead, when we're talking about DeAndre Bembry. This guy is the biggest DeAndre Bembry fan <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> In Bembry's first season, 
he brought out a custom jersey that said free Bembry <laughs> before most people even knew who DeAndre Bembry was. He's someone who I always like look at whenever DeAndre Bembry makes a big play because he always gets incredibly excited. So I couldn't talk about Bembry without giving him a shout out. You're right on with it was kind of frustrating that his first two seasons, DeAndre only played 64 games because he has such a fun style of a game. And I think a game that really lends itself to being fun for fans to watch. He, like you said, he was the only Hawk to play 82 games this season, which was incredible after two years of really not not playing 82 in those first two combined. And he had some really awesome dunks this year. And he had a 16 rebound game this year. Yeah, he went from being a small forward in the first two seasons to being a backup shooting guard slash, like you were saying, he handled the ball a ton when Trey was on the bench. Yeah, and that versatility is what's incredibly valuable to the Hawks. He's someone who can play some small forward when needed. He can play some point guard when when needed. And it was needed after granted Jeremy Lin a release to go to the Toronto Raptors. And I mean, big shout out to Jeremy Lin and the Raptors who have a a chance to do some stuff in the Eastern Conference. I'm always rooting for him. I'm always rooting for the former Hawks who came through. But DeAndre Bembry, it, he's just someone, when you look up on the scoreboard, he scored that quiet 14 points, those quiet 15 points that you just didn't expect. But they're always so valuable. He doesn't score those garbage points where it's just like he's building up the stats. He, point, he scores those points in those crucial time periods. But one thing about DeAndre Bembry is he has got to become a better shooter moving forward. Uh, This past season, he shot the three ball at 28.9%, which just won't get it done in today's NBA. He needs to get that average up to at least around 34, 35%. uh, uh, Make the other team respect his three-point shooting ability because his future won't be very long in the NBA if he can't shoot the three ball. That's just the way it is. Maybe he could get away with that as a a small forward in the 90s or in the early 2000s. But I'm really looking forward to him improving that three ball. The coach is working with him on that three ball. And if he gets that down, he'll be one of the most valuable glue guys in the NBA, in my opinion. And I was encouraged that his, uh, not that his percentage was, like you said, 28.9%, but he did shoot. He went from shooting one a game last year to two a game this year. So this willingness to shoot a three was definitely encouraged and um, like needed. And he did like his free throw percentage is 64%, which sounds really bad, but that's an increase from 58% the year before. So he's, there is growth. Um, He needs to continue that growth in the offensive side of the ball. He's so good defensively. He may be the Hawks best perimeter defender. And he led the team in steals with 105. Bazemore was the next closest with 89 steals. And, but to go with that, he also was second on the team to turnovers right behind Trey. If he can tighten up those turnovers and also start shooting the ball, his defense is there. Like you said, unless his offense follows that, he's not going to be in the league for very long. Yeah, and that that's just the import, unfortunate thing. And you're right, there was some growth, and that's really good to see because you know Rome wasn't built built in a day we yeah. you he won't become a great three-point shooter over the course of one off season the greats they spent years and years working on their craft and they still spent years after they were great three-point shooters just to maintain that 
I remember stories of Ray Allen, how many three-point shots he took at, uh, in the gym. I remember Kyle Korver when he was with the Hawks before every single game, before both teams came out to warm up, he'd go out, take about 100 three-point shots, and he'd nail about 90 of them like a machine. It was uh, Sometimes it was better than watching the actual game, to be honest. You just <laughs> sit down and you just take it all in and enjoy the greatness that you're witnessing in front of you. I remember Dennis Schroeder, how long he spent working on that three-point shot, and he's still working on it back when he was with the Hawks. Every single offseason, he was working with Korver on it, and now he's a, a better three-point shooter than he used to be in the past. But DeAndre Bembry, like, we have got to see that three-point shot improve a little bit because, like you said, the defense is there. You look at the Tony Allen effect. I remember Tony Allen was one of the best defenders in the NBA a few years ago in that series against the Warriors in Golden State's first championship run. Tony Allen was Memphis's most important player, but Golden State just left him wide open on the offensive end for three every single time. He could never hit it, and he had to end up being on the bench for the Grizzlies. That's something that we will see from DeAndre Bembry if he doesn't improve that teams will sag off of him and he has to be able to make them pay on those three pointers. Absolutely. And I think he fills a very important role on most teams, just being kind of what you were saying, a glue guy. Cause I, not every player is going to be a superstar and we kind of have hopefully Trey and whoever we get in this next upcoming draft to be superstars, but Bembry can be extremely important off the bench and that defensive option. And if he can be more than just a slasher, if he can, really punish teams that, like you said, leave them open for threes, he, he'd he'd be, be invaluable on this Hawks team. So it's going to be interesting to see because both him and Torian are coming up on those extensions um, after their rookie contracts. And I really do think that having Lloyd Pierce and a new coaching staff come in helped DeAndre and really got him. I mean, for him to average 23 minutes a game for the entire season after not even getting being able to physically play a full season the first two seasons was just huge. And I think a really big, just a big compliment to the training staff as well. This season was sort of a last chance for DeAndre Bembry after those mm-hmm. first two years. And if Holy he was way. if he was injury riddled again, then I don't think he would have really been in the team's long-term plans, yep. which I have no idea what the team's long-term plans are. But he came out, he proved himself. He had a a solid 1.7 defensive win shares this past season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very solid glue guy, someone who doesn't have to be a superstar, knows his role on the team. But the fact that he stayed healthy is the biggest thing that he could have done this past season. Because if he wasn't healthy, then I don't think we'd be talking about DeAndre Bembry as an Atlanta Hawk moving forward. Yeah, so you talked about the three-point shooting. Is there any other areas you want him to improve this offseason? The main thing, like you said, tightening up those turnovers. He has the vision, and I, I understand why they happen a little bit, because he was one of the primary ball handlers. But he did not handle the ball enough to mm-hmm. justify having 1.7 turnovers per game yeah. against only 2.5 assists per game. So I'd really like to see him increase that assist to turnover ratio with more assists and less turnovers because that's his primary job when he comes in on offense when Trey Young isn't in the game basically the three-point shooting and improving the assist to turnover ratio for sure one thing I love about DeAndre is he just moves at kind of a different time 
than all the other NBA players, kind of like uh, Kyle Anderson for the Grizzlies. But he moves, he's so smooth, it's one step later than all the other NBA players expect. And I just hope he can increase his uh, finishing as well because he gets to the rim extremely well. And he's he started to dunk a little bit more, and that may be just because he's healthy. And he does a lot of reverses. So along with exactly what you said, if he could tighten up his handle and decrease those turnovers, if he could also finish a little at a little higher rate, that would really help him in my view. But I think you nailed it. We wouldn't even be talking about DeAndre if he hadn't played all the games and really improved because those first two seasons, we just didn't even get to see what he had to offer. Yeah, for sure. And you're completely right about uh, him finishing a little better because I always remember watching he's so proficient in getting to the rim. And that's yeah. always such a great thing to see because that's that's a skill in the NBA. That's a talent. Not everyone can bypass their man and get to the rim. But he only shot 60.1% from zero to three feet. Uh, that's mm-hmm. right below the rim. And I know that sounds a lot to like, you know, common shooting, but that's not a lot when you're right at the rim. Right. So that's something that I completely and utterly agree with you that he needs to improve his finishing. Yeah, he's just a solid glue guy. And he's someone who, if he can make those improvements, someone who has a future, a valuable future on a contender coming off the bench. Because you need those guys that come in that know their role and that know how to fill their role, that do the things other than just scoring. Because, you know, we have scorers. We have Trey. We have John. We have Herder. We have hopefully, you know, whoever we get in the draft. We need some guys to do some of the other stuff, like like the defense, like being able to handle the ball, passing the ball a little more, getting to the rim. That's just as important as scoring. And I fully appreciate you coming on and talking about Kevin and DeAndre. Is it cool if we talk a little bit about uh, some of your jobs? Oh, absolutely. You, how I got to know you is you lead the Atlanta Hawks six man section, which is the awesome section that's standing the entire game and chanting. How did you get involved with that? That just happened by accident one season during the uh, 60 win season. I headed over to a game. I didn't go to many games before I joined the section. You know, I live I live far away. It's, it's a long commute. It's mm-hmm. a long process. I went to the Brooklyn Nets game in the middle, after the January run, I think, of that 61 mm-hmm. season. It was in February. And, you know, the stadium was absolutely packed to every single game that season. Yeah. I, still, I still hear uh, war stories from the 61 season from some of the uh, members of the section that that have been there a bit longer <laughs> and one of my friends whom I knew I saw him in the six man section so I like went over to him and I asked him how do I get involved in this I want to be a part of this he sent me the email the survey everything we do is through surveys including registration for the section and I just remember the next day I was so giddy I was in class and I couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about it and I ended up getting an email telling me, oh, yeah, we're not accepting any new members this season. You'll have to oh, wait till man. next season. And I was over here like, man, who's going to wait all the way until October? But, <laughs> you know, the time passed. I ended up going to tryouts. Uh, Drew Frank, uh, Jake Reischer, Donald Kirkland, Luke Jones, who were the leaders of the section, you know, 
they accepted me into the group. I was super nervous throughout the entire tryout process. And then in my first season, it was just surreal to me. And it's still so surreal to me that I'm going to these Hawks games, that I have this opportunity to be a part of this. I went to every game in my first season. After that first season, they just saw something in me. They offered me a spot as an assistant role to to the leaders, to mm-hmm. Jake and Luke, who were leading it, and Donald. I went to every single game my second season again. And after a while, I got the call from Drew to lead again and to be placed in a little higher position. So now mm-hmm. it's me and Jake Reischer who are leading this thing. Uh, and Jake's a great guy, one of the biggest Hawks fans I know, and I'm sure you can testify to that as well. Absolutely. I've been leading it for three seasons, and it's one of my favorite things to do. It's like part of my identity at this point. Uh, all of my friends know me by this. I've taken them to games, and it's just one of the most incredible things I've ever had the privilege to be a part of and to be doing it. And I'm still just so grateful to to be able to do this every single home game where I still can't believe that, you know, this is happening. Well, you do a great job keeping that section energized and keeping up the clever cheers. I think that section is just kind of what I would hope the entire stadium does. It's been a ton of fun with the Atlanta Hawks G League team uh, moving to College Park. I was wondering if there was any thought of the six man, like having their G League team have call-ups or a team out there for them at all. That sounds like an incredible idea, to be honest, but that's a little bit above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> I know in terms of the section everything, I'm on the level of just about every everybody. That's something to talk to some of the full-time Hawks employees about because, you know, that's just a little bit above my pay grade. <laughs> sure. You write for the Falcoholic. How long have you been doing that and what got you started? I've been writing for the Falcoholic for the past year. I remember joining right after the Falcons lost to the Eagles in the divisional round last season, mm-hmm. about a week afterwards. I was actually writing for another, for the Falcons fan-sided site for three years before that. I remember joining that on my 18th birthday, and it was just something at, at that point in my life. I was still in high school. I just started writing for writing about sports. I've been into sports for my entire life. Mm-hmm. involved and they were so intriguing to me and I just loved them so much I started writing I'm a huge Atlanta sports fan everything United Hawks Braves Falcons mm-hmm. the lacrosse team just it doesn't matter if you represent Atlanta I'm, I'm a fan of yours <laughs> and the Falcons you know one of my favorite teams of course so on my 18th birthday I just started writing for the Falcons fan-sided site it was for no money or anything just the love of writing. After three years of doing that, one of my former staff writers who wrote with me, Kevin Knight, he was with the Falcoholic. He was with the Falcoholic at this point for over a year now, and mm-hmm. he was the editor. So he reached out to me because I had I'd been done writing for the fan sided site. I didn't want to write for them anymore. He get gauged my interest after that season about joining the Falcoholic, and I didn't know if I wanted to continue writing. I just took that leap of faith. I said, yes, it seemed incredibly professional. I always appreciated it from afar. It's been also another one of the best things that I've done because the guys at the Falcoholic are just all incredible people. Everyone on that staff, I consider a friend. It's just very professional journalism, whereas I'm just taking a step back and I'm looking (laughs) at this organization of everything going on and I'm just in awe and I'm just 
super happy to be a part of this and I'm super happy to be able to share in the misery of being a Falcon fan with <laughs> other people who are just as diehard as I am about it. That is awesome. A couple more things before I let you go. What are your thoughts on the Atlanta Hawks moving forward? And what are your hopes uh, going into this offseason for the Hawks? I think that, that the Hawks are moving forward in the right direction with Travis Schlenk at the helm the past two seasons. We've gone from zero to 100 with this rebuild. It, we started out at ground zero for the start of not this season, but before the start of last season. Remember, we were up playing guys like Isaiah Taylor, Malcolm Delaney, Andrew White. And no disrespect to those guys, but they're not in the NBA anymore. And sort of a reason for that. It was just a hard first season to watch as a fan. But, you know, it netted us Trey Young. We got Kevin Herter. Collins was the 19th overall pick, Travis Schlenk's first draft, which was incredible. Now we have these two top 10 picks, potentially top 10 picks. Dallas doesn't jump into the top four. We have about over a 60% chance of keeping that, over a 65% chance of keeping that pick, so the odds are in our favor. Yep. Main thing is a Hawks fan, and it's my dream. If we, uh, if the ping pong balls land in our favor and we end up with that number one pick to get Zion Williamson, that would, sure. be, that would be maybe the greatest moment of my life as a Hawks fan. Yep. Just that night, the draft lottery is on Tuesday. I can't wait for it. It'll be must-see TV for me. If we can get Zion Williamson, that would be incredible because this rebuild would be expedited a hundredfold. But the main thing for next season, I just want to see the Hawks compete for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. I don't have any crazy expectations of, oh, I want to see us in the conference finals. I do, of course, but I know to temper my expectations a little bit, just to see them at the end of the season be fighting for an eighth seed or to be in the playoffs, that would be just an incredible next step in this rebuild if we see that organic growth from these young players to start competing because it's important for them to get a taste of what it feels to be in a playoff push and to what it feels to be in a playoff series because that'll do nothing but benefit them moving forward. Strong agree. And I've been nothing but impressed with what Schlenk has done in the previous drafts. I've also him getting Lloyd Pierce to come to Atlanta. I was very impressed by Lloyd Pierce and thought he did said all the right things this season. So to see what he can do in season two is something I'm very excited about. Finally, I couldn't send you off the podcast without asking you what have been some of your favorite cheers that you have led in the six man. And uh, if that you've gotten any recognition from opposing players on y'all's cheers or anything like that, y'all are extremely creative. And uh, what have been some of y'all's favorite cheers? That y'all done? Uh, one of my favorites that always has a special spot in my heart, it was when the Cleveland Cavaliers came to town last season when LeBron James was still with the team. That was the game after their fire sale where they traded Dwayne Wade away. They traded half of their team away, basically. Right. And they ended up with, you know, Rodney Hood and those guys. I'm not remembering every single name specifically, so you'll have to forgive me for that. But I just remember whenever a Cavs player went to the line, we started chanting, uh, Tristan Thompson goes to the line. We chanted, LeBron will leave you to him on that one. And that was picked up by Bleacher Report. Uh, And he missed both free throws. Then next time at the line, it was Jeff Green. And we started chanting, LeBron will trade you at him for that one. And I saw that uh, Indiana Pacers fans took that one this season. 
Uh-huh. Uh, I just wanted to be known that uh, we did a first. <laughs> we got recognition first for that one. This past season, also, we got plenty of rec- recognition for some of our chants when we traded a uh, chanted Draymond hates you to uh, to Jeez. Kevin Durant. The very next night, we chanted John Wall hates you to Bradley Beal. Those were both <laughs> picked up. Kobe's better when we chanted that to LeBron James. That just blew up completely. That was picked up by Sports Center, by Bleach Report, by everything. Because, you know, and it spurred that Kobe versus LeBron debate. It gave it a new energy and renewed it. And that's all I saw in the timeline for the next, mm-hmm. like, three days on Twitter. And the last one that was picked up this season was when D'Angelo Russell was at the line and we chanted, you're a snitch at him. <laughs> I remember coming up with that one. And I was thinking, you know, maybe it's a little bit edgy, but, you know, that's what we, that's what we do now. That's kind of our identity. We tow the line. We never cross the line. We never take it too far. But, you know, fair game, things that are on the court, uh, player beefs, that's completely fair game. The LeBron James trading, that's super fair game. We did boo Ben Simmons in the uh, second to last game this season. And I remember he had just a terrible game. I think he was like five for 19 or something like that. He was missing dunks. We were just giving him a super hard time. And Ben Simmons, in my opinion, he's like, he's not the most mentally tough player as we're seeing in these playoffs. Right. So it's it's always great. We always try to pick a player on the opposing team to boo just for no reason. Just to kind of get in his head a little bit. You know, we normally like for it to be a young player. We've gotten some reactions from it. Uh, when we were doing it to Kelly Oubre, I remember he blew us a kiss after he hit a couple three-pointers. <laughs> but he did have a terrible game afterwards, so we'll take a victory for that one. Also, we do the sit sit down, you suck. When a player is like going over to the bench and sits down, we just all in unison uh, do the, oh, sit down, you suck. And there were some moments where a player didn't want to sit down. So we started <laughs> chanting for him to sit down, like sit down to Robin Lopez, to Kelly Oubre. And the, the players are literally standing out of spite, out of pettiness at that point. And we're thinking to ourselves, you know, that's just a victory for us because we're having fun in the stands you have to go back into the game and you're not resting right now like you should be just out of pettiness, out of spite. So, you know, that's always a fun thing. And I mean, just everything. I just enjoy every part of the section, everything we do. But those are some some of the things that have stuck out in my mind. Also, uh, when we beat the Sixers in our last home win of the season, we chanted, we own Philly. And that was picked up by their beat reporter because we went three and one against the Sixers this season. Uh And, you know, that's just a fun thing. Yeah, absolutely. Y'all are extremely creative. The great thing about the six-man section is it's always 100% effort. It's never like half the uh, group is cheering one thing. and No, the entire group's going to be cheering it, and y'all are all in, which is fantastic. And then I cannot thank you enough for coming on to the Kettlecast. Um, it's been a ton of fun talking to you, and I think both players we talked about have a, a good future and have a lot to do with what the Hawks will do in this upcoming season is there any place where people can find your work and find more opinions from you i'm on the falcoholic you know check that out if you're a falcons fan i'm mostly on twitter that's my social media of choice and my twitter at handle is at say which way and if you've ever been to the six man section or around it you know why (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah basically twitter is the best place to find me for my opinions and for interactions with me and it's it's 95 percent sports 95 percent atlanta sports 
So, I mean, that's just who I am. Twitter is the best place. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you on the Kettlecast after the Hawks have gotten the number one draft pick. Until we have you on again, thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you to the Kettlecast. I'm a big fan of the podcast. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Kettlecast. If you can leave a review or a rating on whatever platform you're using to listen to the Kettlecast, that is a big help to me. And if you can share it with any friends or people you know who are huge Hawks fans, that is a big help. Uh, I'm still hoping to do a mailbag episode this summer, so if you can get your questions in regards to the draft or the NBA or anything about Atlanta Hawks, email me at kettlecast at gmail.com. That's K-E-T-T-L-E. C-A-S-T at gmail.com and I will get that episode out this summer. Thanks again for listening and go Hawks!